Hey, well, this is a great week to be at church. I mean, this is a time, if you've ever colored a picture of Jesus or sung Amazing Grace, here you are back in church, and it's great to see you. So I'm wondering if we took a little survey to find out, like, why are people here? Like, why did you come here? I think some of you would say, I just have to be here. I mean, it's Easter, and I've got to be here. But then there's other people you would say, well, truth be told, I'm here because i got to make somebody happy. I've got to make a family member happy. You know what I'm talking about? And so, and that's not bad. I mean, we do the eggs and the bunnies, right, for the kids. And then we go to church for the family. So that's just something that we do there. I think other people might say, well, I'm at church on Easter because I want to make God happy. Like, I want to, it's not that difficult. And you understand that the deal with God here, thank you that you got that, that uh, keeping God happy, keeping God happy, that it's not that tough. You just got to like show up now and then. So you got to show up maybe like at Easter or Christmas and then be a good person. Like don't try to ruffle too many feathers in between there. And then you don't have to go to church the rest of the year until Christmas. And God will say, hey, you know what? I'm pumped that you're here. I will just keep things cool between me and you until Christmas time. Time comes. So sometimes we come to make God happy. I think another reason that we come is maybe make yourself happy. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you feel sentimental about Easter. Maybe it brings back memories. Maybe, there, maybe the message is, a, is inspirational for you. Sometimes it's just nostalgic. There are nostalgic memories there. Sometimes it feels good and you just want to be there and you, you feel touched. And so you'll go to Easter because of what it does for you. I think there's other people that you were bribed. That was funny and you didn't get it. You, you were bribed. And you know what? At Sanctuary, we love bribes. We love that you were bribed. Maybe somebody promised you lunch or something, but we love others. You're invited. You're invited by a friend or uh, maybe she was cute or he's handsome. And you're just glad to, glad to be at church. So you, you were invited. You know, I'm here today Because I was invited to church. So you just be careful who invites you to church. You never know where you're going to end up. But so for others of you, you might say, well, you know what? Like none of those things. I'm not quite a church person. And church just doesn't really work for me. And I just was kind of going through the the motions there. Really didn't impact my life. Sort of a disconnect there. And and I'm just not really that into it. I just couldn't get on board with the whole church thing and all. And so, and you came back this morning and, and we love that you're here. It's awesome that you're here. And so I think for other people, maybe something happened to you where there was pain. And church was painful for you, to you and you were hurt. So you say, you know what, I'm done with that. And it took a lot of courage for you to come back this morning. We love that you're here. And I'm sorry that happened. I think there's others, though, of you that you come for different reasons. But maybe you're here this morning and you feel like this. You feel like this on the inside. You feel a little bit like this. Nah, I'm just here, but I, but I really, I, I don't know if I really want to be here. And uh, I'm here because I feel a little bit of pressure. And uh, this resurrection, I don't, you know, religion, you know, I, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And so I get it that we may be here for a whole multitude, a whole cocktail of reasons. Now, don't tweet somebody that you went to church and they said to have cocktails on Easter. I'm saying you may be here for a mixture <laughs> a mixture of reasons. And so for others of you, maybe you've been, you were on a path 
And your path was you grew up in church. You had faith in the moment there. But over the course of your life, you had some questions and sort of the Sunday school answers just didn't work for you. They didn't work for you there. And you're wondering about, is there, is there like a path like to rebelief? Like I did believe, I did have faith, but is there a path to rebelief here? Because I've been away here. So I get in a big room like this, so many people that feels a little bit, feels, may feel a little distant. And so I want to do something this morning here. And I want you to imagine that you and I are just meeting one-on-one. We're having a one-on-one meeting, maybe like a coffee shop in town. Perhaps maybe you, we bumped into each other there at a coffee shop. And, uh, and I just happened to be out there somewhere, some coffee shop. And you came by and I said, hey, why don't just sit down here and let's hang out a little bit here. And, uh, and I would want to talk to you about this. I would want to talk to you about, hey, let me, let's have a conversation about why Easter would really matter to you. And you would sit down and you'd say, you know what? I just like you to answer one question. And the one question is this, like, what's the big deal? Like, we know it's an American tradition, but like, what's the big deal about Easter? And I would say this, and I would say, okay, well, then I want to suggest to you, I want to suggest to you why you would want to believe in Easter. And I would say this, why you want to believe in the resurrection. That would be the conversation. And the title of the message that I'm going to talk about this morning is this. Easter makes your life better. Not only that, it makes you better at life. I mean, how do you feel here? You want to be better at life. You want your life to be made better. Well, that's a conversation that I would have. So imagine that it's just you and me sitting down, having coffee at this table here. And I would start this way. I would say, hey, Kay, listen, I'm going to get to Easter, but I got to take the scenic route. So just be patient. Give me a moment here. Take me a few minutes and I'm going to get to Easter. But just let me say this. Would you agree? Would you agree that the world is a broken place? I would begin with that question. Would you agree that the world is a broken place? And we get it. We read in the newspaper, we see in the social media, social world there, we see the corporate greed, we see the sexism, we see the sex trade, we see the racism, we see the prejudice, we see all, we see injustice, oppression, sex trafficking. We saw Las Vegas a couple of years, the massive shooting. We saw Los Angeles, the shooting, we saw the mass shooting in San Bernardino. We would agree, I think, that the world is a broken place. Almost no one would push back on that. But then I would say, okay, if the world is a broken place and the world's made up like of people that make it a, ro- a broken place, would you agree that you are broken? I think some people may push back a little bit there about if, whether, they're, whether or not they're broken there. We might resist some on that. And then I would say, well, what about when people bump into you, people bump into you, and maybe they bump into you on the freeway there and they cut you off on the freeway and we pronounce eternal damnation on them just because they cut you off. Do you think maybe there's a little brokenness kind of surfacing within you? And you could have, you could all tell your story there, but after some pushing, maybe some prodding, I think we would agree that you are broken, I am broken, and we are all broken. So we agree then to this conversation we're having, coffee. And so you agree with me then that the world is broken and you agree with me that 
you were broken. Yeah, okay, I, I can give you that. Say, so, okay, so that being the case, let me tell you about Easter because this is why Easter happened. Because the world's broken and because we are broken. This is the story behind Easter. See, we were created to live in a, in a, living, a loving relationship with God here. But we wanted life on our terms. That was the problem. We wanted to do it our way. So because of our selfishness, we chose to go our way. We damaged everything. We damaged our relationship with God. We, relation, we damaged our relationship with one another. And we damaged ourselves. So we brought this damage, the Bible calls it sin, like a spiritual disease there that just destroys you. That destroys you. It impacts everything you do in your life. It's like in your very nature there, impacts the very direction of your life. Causes you to ignore God. Causes you to pretend that God's not even there. Causes you just to want to live life on your own terms. And so I would say over coffee, look, it's a broken world. We're broken. And here's the result of that. So this is what entered into the world. So the most important thing that I'm going to say this morning is this. God loved us too much to leave us that way. And this, my friends, is the story of Easter. So if we were having coffee together, I would say, now, do you really want to know what Easter is all about? Do you want to know that? And here it is. Easter is the story about how God fixes a broken world. Easter is a story about how God fixes broken people. This is the story of Easter. So on the screens there, look at 1 Peter 3, 18. Explains how God fixes our brokenness. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So having coffee together, I would say, look, this is what he did. He sacrificially gave his life here for all of our wrongdoing, for the wrongdoing of all of humanity. This is where Easter really begins here. And Jesus was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. He was left alone. He was alienated. He was betrayed. He was abused so that we would never have those things be part of our lives with relationship with God here. So Peter says, look, what Jesus did, he came to bring you to God. That's like, that's the whole story to bring you to God here. What Jesus was doing was he was carrying my sin and your sins on the cross. And so to give you forgiveness there, he died to bring us to God. That's the whole point of the story of Easter. That's what it's about here. Also, if you want to look at the screens there, 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. This is the most simple explanation and declaration of what we believe here. Now I want you to see something here, what it says. It says, he was seen. And three times in this passage here, it says, he was seen, he was seen, and he was seen. If we were having coffee and you said to me, well, like, how do you know that you can believe? I would say, here's how you can know. 
I mean, you can Google it for one thing. It is historical evidence. But let's get back to the story and you can see how you know that you can believe. It's a historical fact. As much of a historical fact as any historical facts at that time. Watch. He was seen by Peter. Watch how we unpack this. And then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by 500 people. Now, how many people know it's kind of hard to fake out 500 people at the same time? kind of hard to do that. And so and some of, he said, and some of those have died. He was seen by James. We're going to touch on that. Like he throws in James for a reason and by all the apostles. So he was seen. And so you would say, how can I believe in the resurrection? Here's how you can believe. Because see, watch, there was a former dead man, a former dead man that was walking the streets of Jerusalem And all these people that previously, they could never believe. Hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people now are walking the streets of Jerusalem and they're saying, we've seen him. Small groups, big groups, people that he ate with, people that he saw fishing. We've seen him and we know that he's alive here. And so what did they do then when they saw something that they had never seen before? They did what you do and then they did what I do. And that is they went to social media. They did. I mean, it's old school, Old Testament. They did social media. They talked about it. They blogged about it. They wrote about it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, all these guys, they wrote about it. So they, they talked about it. And so then there's James. Now check this out. James is actually the brother of Jesus. And James, here he lived with him. You know, he, he played Legos with him, lived, did life with him. If Jesus wasn't God, don't you think your brother would know that you weren't God? I mean, so he saw this great teaching. He saw the miracles. He saw people get healed. Didn't believe, didn't believe. Walk on water, doesn't believe. But he's, Jesus is raised from the dead. He's like, hey, my bro, he's not just my bro, he's God. And he wrote about that. The brother of Jesus declared that his brother was God. I mean, how do you fake out your brother about being God? And so all of the, all of the Christ followers, I want you to see some here. After Jesus died, it was a dark day. It was a very dark day. If they could hit the eject button, they'd all hit the eject button. They were all unfollowing. They were unfollowing Jesus here. They were like, done, game over. The dream is over. We know when a good thing is over here. And so Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And they were like, yeah, the life is now dead. And God is not supposed to die. The one thing God's not supposed to do is to die. So how could that be here? And they were in total meltdown mode. Complete and utter meltdown mode. All their hopes, all their dreams dashed dead over. And so they're, they're bailing. After the crucifixion here, they are running for their lives. Their attitude is, we are done with it. The dream is over. We're going back to our old life. In fact, Peter, the ringleader of the, of the group, puts it this way. He said, look, I'm going fishing. Like, I'm going back to my old life. That worked for me. This life no longer working for me. Jesus is crucified. And watch how telling it is. It says, they, all the disciples with him said, we're going to go too. Over for us too. We're going back to our old life there. And so you see that nobody had any hope. 
The disciples, they're defeated there. They're defeated. They're crushed. It's not like in, if we were having coffee together, I would say, you know what? Just think about it. I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. And do you think there's like a resurrection rally? Do you think anybody believed? Like there's a resurrection countdown? Or there's like post-resurrection speeches like, hey, 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 listen, listen. We know he's coming back. And here's how we know. We got to get psyched up and fired up. We got to believe he's coming back. Nobody did that. There was no resurrection rally. There was no resurrection speeches. There was no resurrection countdown. Like, okay, ready, everybody? Here we go. Here we go. We know he's going to rise. We know that tomb's going to come, come flying open there and the stone's going to be rolled away. We know that this thing, we're going to launch this thing and it's going to go worldwide. Are you ready? Here we go. Ready? Ten. Nine. Let's go, everybody. Eight. Set. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Time out. Nothing. There was no resurrection countdown because they didn't believe. See, you believe and you know, so many of you believe they didn't believe here. And so day three, nothing happens there. And so the death was brutal. They saw him die there. It was final. The only thing they expected is that a dead person would stay dead. The dead person would stay dead here. Mary Magdalene is just even more proof of, of how they felt, how insightful. On the screen is John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She's thinking worst case scenario. What, they stole the body. Next verse, she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, hey, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. Uh, we don't know where they found him. Why? She figured he was dead and there was no other options. Verse 11, Mary standing outside the tomb and crying as she wept. She's in total, just mourned out mode here. She stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, the angels asked her. You know, there's kind of a little debate in, in church world and theological world about were the angels males or were they females? And I think it's pretty obvious that they were males because only a male would say, why are you crying? <laughs> Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus, and she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her, and who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go get him. She expected to find a dead body. She's mourned out. She's going to embalm him. But no one was expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. And so there she is, and she thinks the worst, and she's broken about the stolen body there. Imagine when she was like older, like a grandmother, telling the story to her grandkids. You won't believe what I did when Jesus was raised from the dead. I thought it was like the gardener. Can you believe it? But anyway, another thought. So... But who comes back from the dead? 
I mean, no one thought that was a possibility. No one thought that was a reality. Even after Jesus raised from the dead, for weeks and weeks, they're still trying to get it together that the dead, the former dead man walking the streets, and we just had lunch with him. And we met with him in a small group or a large group. But there are other people thinking that he was a ghost. And so how then could this be that people that they were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses, they saw him die and then they saw him that when he was raised from the dead. And even though they thought it was absolutely impossible, they thought that it was unexplainable, that it was unbelievable. Hundreds and hundreds of people are, are now saying, but it's absolutely undeniable that he is raised from the dead. And so the resurrection changed their lives. And it's changed today as we celebrate Easter, the resurrection, around the world, on every continent, there are two billion people today that are celebrating. From that little movement then, 2,000 years later, two billion people are celebrating the resurrection. Do you believe? And so there was one central message that they had that exploded from that moment. And it's in Acts chapter 3 on the screens there if you want to look. They had this message. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we were witnesses of this fact. We've seen him. So they said, you, you killed the author of life. They would say, right over there. This is what they could say. Right over there at Golgotha, Mount Calvary. You killed him right over there. And then they can say, and you took his body and you put it right on the tomb, right over there. And that's what you did. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And that was their story. They would say, it's absolutely undeniable because we've seen him. So if we're having coffee and we had this conversation about the resurrection and we had this conversation about our brokenness and that we're broken, Jesus came because of our brokenness and this is the Easter story. And I was to say this, I was to say this, so what? So what are, what are the implications of this? Because I think one of the things that we don't get is we don't get the implications. A lot of people who come to church go, yeah, we kind of know something about Jesus and, and, and all that and, and, and went to the cross and, and he came back. But, but what are the implications? I want to give you three implications of the resurrection. That all of them can, can alter your life. I want to tell you why you would want to believe in Easter. I want to tell you why Easter makes you better at life and why Easter makes you a better person. And this is it here. You see, you want to believe in Easter because it makes your life better. It makes you better at life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 on the Message Bible says this. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life. A resurrected life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Here's the reality. You are here this morning living one of two lives. Either your own life, in your own power, doing the best that you can, or what this says here, a resurrected life. Those are the options. Your life, a resurrected life. Plan A, plan B. There are no other options. 
That's it. What life do you want to live? Your best life is a resurrected life. So let me show you here. So how can you live a better life? Well, Easter says that your life is better and you're better at life because your relationship with God is restored. Again, that's the story of Easter here. How did he do that? How was your relationship with the heavenly father restored? How you were designed to live. You weren't meant to live separated from God. You were meant to live connected to him. And so you have a better life. Your best life now and is lived when you're connected to God. Colossians 2.13 says this. says, you were dead Okay, because of your sins. In other words, you're separated. Dead means to be separated. You're separated from God. But through Christ, you're reconnected to him. So that's what happened to us. Because sin's like a fatal disease. We were dead and we were lost without hope here. And so this makes your life better. Not only are you forgiven, but you're adopted into God's very family. You become, you become his son. You become his daughter. So Easter makes you better at life because your relationship with God is restored. But here's the other thing you need to know. The second thing is Easter makes you better at life because it gives you hope. You have hope. It says this in 1 Peter, if the screens you want to look there. He has caused us to be born again. That means to be born into a new relationship with God. To a living hope. Since a living hope which never goes away. Through... The resurrection of Jesus. See, hope comes because of the resurrection. You, if you, you studied in the Bible, 70 times talks about hope. All of those times, except for one, is after the resurrection. See, you have hope. You have hope because there's a living hope because there's a living God who is alive forevermore. And so God gives us hope every day. Hope that your prayers will be answered because he's living there. Hope that you can know that you can have a, he can change your life. Now check this out. You want to believe in Easter because your relationship with God can be restored because you can't have hope. But you want to believe because of this here. Because God's power is available to you to live your life. Think of it. When you live life on your own, it's your very best. You are going to fail and fail again. The Bible says this in Romans, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Think about that for a moment. How he was raised by God's spirit came into him and raised him from the dead. And it says this, that same spirit, when you become his follower, it lives in you. And just as Christ was raised from the dead here, he'll give life to you to your, your mortal body, but that same spirit, how awesome is that? How awesome is that? Lives inside you. So if we're having coffee and you said to me, well, so what? Like, so what? Like, what difference does it make here? I would say this. I would say you need power to change your life. Like, you need power to change your morals you need power to change your direction. You need power to change your relationship. You need power to change your marriage. You really need power to, if you really want to change how you do life. And so, and at some point, you're going to run out of your willpower to change your life. So you need God's power. You need God's power. You know why you need God's power? You need God's power to let go of your past. You need God's power to let go of your guilt. You need God's power to let go of your bitterness and your resentment and your anger, your guilt, your grief, your grudges. You need God's power to let go of some habits. 
You need God's power to let go of some, some hurt. You need God's power to let go of some hang-ups. You see, you need God's power to let go of your past. Because otherwise, here's the reality. We come to Easter, dress up, and celebrate Easter. But without some power, you're just going to go back to your old life. You're just going to live your old life. So see, we need God's power. The reality of that. The power to start over. The power for a fresh start. The power to live a new life. The power to keep going. The power here to, when you're spent and there's no longer anything you can do. The power to live beyond your own energy there. And so God's power, it sustains us. It enables us. It helps us. See, during difficult moments of life, when it's just you and you alone, you need power. Like, I need power. We desperately need power. So if we were having coffee, I would say, you know, the reality is, is that, like, wouldn't you agree that you need, you need power in your life? That's why you need Easter. That's why you want to believe. You need hope. You need your relationship restored. See, we need that. And so, and you would say, some of you would say, oh yeah, but you know what? You haven't answered all my questions. I would say, is that right? I haven't answered all your questions. And then I would, I would push back on you. And I would say, so let me ask you, so you're telling me then that you would never do anything important you would never take a step forward in anything important unless all your questions are answered. Is that what you're saying to me? Yes. I would say I'd invite you to rethink that. Because let me ask you that. When you went to college, did you have all your, did you have all your questions answered? When you got that, that, that job, did you have all your questions answered? You did, did you know everything about that before you got that job here? And, the, and I would say, yeah, and... Um, have you been married? <laughs> Did you get all your questions answered about, about marriage? Then this is kind of an important decision. Would you agree that was kind of an important decision? Yeah, okay. And did you have all, all your questions answered before you got married? And then did you have kids? Did you have all your questions answered about kids before you got married? See, the reality is this. You have made pretty much every single important decision you ever made in your life. You made that decision and you didn't have all your questions answered. So if we could just put that down for a moment, because here's, here's the one thing you need to know on the screens. For God, and I would close our coffee meeting with this. I would say, here's, here's really, if I could just leave you with this. I would say, for God, he so loved the broken world with broken people that he gave his only son. He came to our planet. He was just like us. And so, and he died for us. And the reason he did that is so that we would never have to die, that we would never perish, but that we would have eternal life. And I would say this over coffee. Do you believe? And I would say that to you. Do you believe? Do you believe in the resurrected Jesus and what he could do for you, that he could make your life better, that you would be better at life? You see, we're going to take a moment here that you could respond. You could respond to that, that you could respond to the promises of Easter. 
that you will be better at life and you will be, you, you will be better. And so if you want to just take a moment there, coffee is over here and just bow your head for a moment. And I would just like to pray with us because we're talking about something that it's not a creed. It's not a belief system. It's not a bunch of rules and rituals. It's not about some religious hoops that we have to jump through. See, the good news of Easter is this. That God's hand is being extended to you. And I just wonder, here it is Easter, if anybody in the quietness of your chair in that little sacred space. Would you pause and would you respond to God's hand being reached out to you? I wonder if there's anybody here that your response to Easter would be this. I believe. And that's what I need in my life. And I want to acknowledge what I need. And this morning on Easter, it could be more than a an empty holiday. It could be a day where you meet God, where you stretch out your hand to his hand, which is stretched out to you. And many of you, you're going to put your hand this morning into God's hand. It's not about becoming religious. God is not looking for perfection. It's not about signing up to join a church. It's about saying yes to a God that loves you with an everlasting love. It's about saying yes to forgiveness It's about saying yes and acknowledging that he wants you to be his adopted son and daughter. It's about saying, God, yeah, I'm ready. It's been said that there were a thousand steps separating you from God. Jesus took 999 and then he waits for you to take the last one. I wonder today if you would courageously say yes to Jesus and take the last step. This is your opportunity. Some of you know, you know in your heart, God is calling you. And so if that's you, I want to pray for you in your heart. You just say, I believe. In your heart, you're saying, I need the resurrection in my life. I need and want the resurrected Jesus in my life right here and right now. I believe, maybe others, I re-believe. So if that is you, pray this prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross and paying for my sin. Forgive me. I need you. Come and live inside me. Heal me and change me. I surrender my life to you. And today, I take you as my Savior. Father, I pray that you would seal that in our hearts.